0: good morning i uh i came across this story this week um it's kind of a random way to start but it's about what cows do when they sense a storm coming versus what buffalo do when they sense a storm coming now when cows sense the storm coming they do what you think would be the wise thing to do when you see a storm they start as a herd walking away from the storm And that seemed to me that made sense, and I almost turned the show off. But one of the things that does, actually, I found out, is that it makes the storm last longer, because as they're walking away from the storm, the storm is going with them, and then the storm's getting longer, and they're going to get out of the storm. They're trying to escape the storm, and it takes quite a bit of time. But when buffaloes see the storm coming, they do the opposite. When they sense it, they go into the storm. They face the storm, they go into it, and they're not being rash. I don't know enough about Buffalo to to make that statement, but I felt comfortable writing it earlier today and yesterday. They're realizing, okay, this storm is here, let's face it, let's engage with it, because there's no escaping what is coming, and what I'm going to do is go into it. It made me think about us. How do we, what do we do when we experience storms? And it's only natural when those storms come to, in the midst of them, experience resentment or fear or maybe even start thinking, God, I'm in the middle of a storm. Don't you care? How do we engage? We're in that storm experiencing resentment. I think one of the things we should probably be doing is getting a little curious, meaning when we are in a storm, I think it's okay to start asking questions. Say, okay, I'm experiencing anger. I'm experiencing frustration, I'm experiencing fear right now, I'm experiencing all these things in my life, I'm experiencing abandonment, and I've got to start asking these questions like, why am I feeling like this? Or maybe the question of, why did I expect a different outcome than the one that I'm in right now? Or maybe even the question of, why did I expect there to never be storms? Storms? Because I think a lot of times when we experience resentment or frustration over the fact that we're in the middle of a storm, it's because we didn't expect there to be a storm in the first place. And the biggest question, and one of the hardest to ask, is maybe, okay, I'm in the middle of this storm now, but God, how are you calling me to respond? And asking questions and being curious is where we find that Thanksgiving, praising God, is the remedy for resentment when we are in storms. I want you to think about Jesus and his disciples, because he was always asking them to do this. He was always asking them to ask questions. Why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? And the answer, usually, to Jesus would have been pretty obvious. Um, because this could kill us. Uh, because this is impossible, what you're asking us to do. Because this is horrible, what you're describing. Because I don't like this. And in the first place, Jesus, if you know everything, why would you even ask us questions? But when he is asking questions, he is always driving us to faith. And faith is really just trust. If you have faith, you have trust. Trust not in an outcome, like if everything is going to be fine, or you know what, I'm going to get everything I want if I just trust a little bit more, but to trust in the person, the person Jesus. Because it's easy to trust when everything's sunny, when life is good, when we're feeling blessed. But to have the kind of trust that goes into a storm is something different. And I didn't realize this, but I'm starting to, that if Jesus works with us in the way that he worked with his 12, his disciples, that means that just like them, for the rest of our lives, he is going to be sending us out into storms. And we have a choice. We either can try to escape the storms, to run away from them, to hold on to that resentment, that, that, that rage, that anger, or to engage, to have trust, to run into the storm. And as we're gonna see in our text today, to give thanks. And this is our text for today, Psalm 107. The first nine verses are in your bulletin. Don't worry, the next 43 verses will be on the screen. But if you have your Bible, Psalm 107 is one that, again, it's just the assigned reading for the day, those first nine verses. But the first, I kept reading, I was like, I got to include this too. I got to include this too. And then wouldn't you know it, an entire psalm. So this remarkable psalm praises God's deliverance in four wonderful pictures. And the four pictures show us that everyone's story is different. We all experience different storms, yet the story is always the same. Now, it's clear that this was written, right, looking back at Israel's past and what they had experienced, but it's equally clear that this psalm speaks to the enduring, the forever love of God and the future that each one of his children, that's you and I, will experience. Because storms, no matter who you are or when you have lived or have yet to live, always come. And in faith, with thanksgiving, covered by the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, not only can we learn to experience and expect the storm but even give praise and tell of our hope and our deliverance. So here's some verses you probably have heard before. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Those he gathered from the lands from east and west, from north and south. And the Psalms as a whole, this phrase has this like um, liturgical quality to it. It's used more than, than 30 times. It's the declaration of God's people, praising the great loving kindness, the covenant forever love of God. And this call to give thanks is not only because of God's goodness, which is revealed throughout the rest of the Psalms when we take a look at all the storms that come in the worst of times, but forever. The word endures is a good translation, but it's somehow restricting it because what you need to know about this love, this love of God had no beginning and it's never going to have an end. It just is. There is no stopping this love that He has for you. And like I said, this may have been written about Israel's past, but it's for us too because you and I are the redeemed. We are the redeemed. In the Old Testament law, we're given the clear and full idea of what we're supposed to understand by redeemed here, the word goel. If any person ever was sold for a slave or carried away as a captive, then his kinsman, his family member, the one who was nearest to them in blood, has the right and the ability to redeem them. And that is exactly what your Jesus did for you. And if you're a good Lutheran and you know your catechism, you know it's not with gold or silver, but with his innocent, precious suffering and death, his blood. Let's dive in. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Now again, we know it's written for the Jews who had been wandering the desert, but we can relate too, can we not? You don't have to be a T.S. Eliot fan to know we're living in a wasteland rampant with greed and corruption. You can feel it almost, can't you? How everyone is hungry and thirsty for something real but is settling for, like, uh, what, what did the vicar say last week, right? Flickering lies where we try to fill ourselves with these temporary fixes, constantly seeking for the next best thing, the newest thing, never finding rest, feeling like, feeling like, if only I could belong somewhere. But because of God's love and mercy and trust, the psalmist calls us to call out to God when we feel that way. And that's not easy because none of us expected to have to struggle so much. But the the psalmist gently encourages, cry out. Cry out to your father for when you cry out, you will be led and you will be delivered. Your troubles won't go away, but the promise is that you will not be left alone, but a hand will take yours and you will hear the voice that speaks to you through his word. Where your Jesus, your Savior, stood up himself and said, come to me, all who are hungry and thirsty, I will give you something to eat. He said, springs of living water will flow in you, who in the very meal that we're going to take this morning, gives you himself to eat and drink to satisfy you. That's not just words or metaphors, that's truth. Your Savior, Jesus, told you he is the way and the truth and the life. He told you in that same exact chapter that he himself will prepare a place for you. One of the most powerful things I have experienced is seeing the peace on a person's face who trusts that even though they are about to take their last breath, and this is going to be their last day because they know they are going to die, they have peace because they know when they close that eyes, They will open them and they will see with their own eyes, their savior. Read and hear this today, that if you are hungry and thirsty for something more, it is there for you in Jesus. Cry out and experience the life that Jesus has for you. Keeps going and says some sat in darkness in utter darkness. "'prisoners suffering in iron chains "'because they rebelled against God's command "'and despised the plans of the Most High. "'So he subjected them to bitter labor. "'They stumbled, and there was no one to help. "'Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, "'and he saved them from their distress. "'He brought them out of the darkness, the utter darkness, "'and broke away their chains. "'Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love "'and his wonderful deeds for mankind.' for he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. Again, we know Israel was in chains multiple times. And they cried out and they were delivered. Will it not be for you as well? Or has it become so hard that you feel God is far from you? Has it become so difficult that you feel like God doesn't see you? That God has abandoned you? I have sat and cried with people who struggle with that very lie. This world is full of storms. Some of the storms that we're in seem so daunting and are so unfair. But don't you let that deceiver for one second let him tell you that God doesn't see you or that God isn't with you or that God can't deliver you from this because you are the redeemed You are a people of the word, a people of promise who tell the story of life over death, who tell their story. How many of us can speak to the Lord loosening the chains of addiction, of pain, of grief, of suffering in our lives? Gates of bronze and bars of iron were understood to be unbreakable, and yet your God himself has told you he will tear down that wall. Your God himself has told you that he will free you, has freed you. Because you know as well as I do that you could not deliver yourself from the power of Satan. You could not redeem yourself from the effects of your sin. You could not see in the darkness nor avoid the pit, but your savior Jesus is the one who stood up and said what? I am the light of the world. He is the one who fulfilled the prophet's promise to be the light that awakens the dawn that comes. And it will break. And if it doesn't break on this side of heaven, we can trust that God still has done enough for me when he redeemed me and called me by name. Because he is the one who loosed the chains of sin. He is the one who Paul describes in Colossians 1 as the one who has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the son he loves. He is your redemption and has given you the forgiveness of your sins. That's just a fancy way of saying that he doesn't just settle to give you light. He doesn't just settle to break the chains and the bars. He doesn't just settle opening doors for you. He does not stop until he has you. And until you know that you belong to him. It goes again with another story. Some became fools through their rebellious ways, suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them sacrifice, thank offerings, and tell of his works with songs of joy, which you have been doing all morning." And I love that this one follows, because you may not be in a storm right now, but we all can relate to this, how by our own fault, our own fault, rebelled and felt the pain of our sins and our mistakes that come. The psalmist reminds us that we aren't just victims, but we too are guilty, but in mercy, And in trust, we call out, and he saves. Doesn't make you earn it, but with a whisper, he speaks to you, your sins are forgiven, my child, because even when God's people are in trouble because of their own wrongdoing, he is the one who comes and answers them. We are all healed by the power of God's word. Remind us, Jesus, how many times was it where you spoke a word and someone was healed, someone was delivered? How many times did he just speak and cast out a demon, heal a leper, a sick mother-in-law, healed a hand, a paralyzed man, a woman who couldn't stop bleeding, raised a child from the dead, or with a word calmed the storm? When we are too weak to stand, He bears the cross, and even at the gate of death, rescues and stays. What's the word that you need today? Is the word you need peace? Is the word you need deliverance? Assurance that he's there? Or maybe the word that you just needed to hear today was that you are forgiven. Nothing is too much, that your God loves you and wants you, and you are his. The final story they say is that someone out on the sea in ships, merchants on mighty waters, they saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest and lifted high the waves, the mountain up to the heavens and went down to the depths in their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunkards. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Here it's not about our guilt, but about our smallness. The hurricane shakes us into seeing that this world is full of gigantic forces, things that are bigger than us. No matter how much courage or bravery or skills we have, there are things that are bigger than us. So we are left with the choice try and battle, rely on ourself, or cry out and trust in the one who with a word calms the storms. doesn't matter if you're in Ducati or Arica, or here in Orange. Each one of us can see and experience the glory of God and his deliverance. And each one of us, no matter where we live, will also see the troubles, the waves, the winds. And no matter who you are, Storms will come. But maybe, I don't know, maybe we don't need to run from the storm or even try to find ourselves putting ourselves in situations of running toward it. Maybe, like the psalmist says in 46, maybe we just need to be still. Maybe we're not cows or buffaloes, but just those who stand still and fold our hands and trust and listen and allow him to calm our heart. Because here's the thing, all four of those stanzas call out to the people to give thanks to God for his unfailing love. Let them remember and give thanks for what he has done. But I'm telling you, go one step further. Don't wait until you get what you want from God and then thank him. When you are in the storm, filled with resentment and fear, Trust that God is working and will deliver. And even in that place of incredible desperation, the key, the invitation in the storm is to call out and trust and thank God. And if you think that's impossible, why would I thank God for a storm? Here's one more picture of your Jesus, who in his storm in the garden out let this cup pass from me that's him being honest in his question he asks let it pass but he doesn't stop with just a question he shows you how to trust and he t- gives you the words to say in every storm not my will be done but yours because it was Jesus who did it and Jesus who himself tells you in every storm you are mine and I am here your Jesus is the only one that can do this which is how the psalm ends can turn deserts into pools of water parched ground into flowing springs can bring the hungry to a place where they can live found a city where they can settle where we can sow fields and plant vineyards and yield a fruitful harvest he blessed them and their numbers greatly increased, and he did not let their herds diminish. He lifts the needy out of their affliction and increase their families like flocks. The upright see and rejoice, and the wicked will have their mouths shut. Let the one who is wise heed these things and ponder the loving deeds of their Lord. Sometimes all we need to do is to trust and to give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good and his love endures forever. Amen.